Mickey scopes out the present, shakes out the past, and keeps an eye out on the future. This is the Racing with Bruno podcast. Now, from Lexington, Kentucky, here's Bruno DiGiulio. And welcome to this Breeders' Cup review. Uh, I'm going to have my friend Pete Renato, and later on, we're going to have Ron Flatter join us. And uh, first of all, I just wanted to give you an update. I had been under the weather uh, for the last week, so uh, that's why you did not get any Zooms, uh, free Zooms or uh, podcast. I am on my way to recovery. Um, And um, also, we will uh, wait until the free Zooms, uh, a couple of weeks until I get my lungs and everything uh, back healthy again. And... uh, excuse me, and we will be talking this Friday night with the gold members um, and you if you decide to hop in. And um, we have that particular invite up on our site at racingwithbruno.com. It's $49.95, and you get the simulcast edition as well. But Friday night, we will have a gold members slash Keeneland opening weekend Zoom. Uh, Now, let me tell you about... Pete Renato is just a, a machine as far as a handicapper. He plays all the tournaments. Uh, he fires away at it. Uh, he's a very good tournament player. Uh, he's always on tilt, you know, looking for the next chance to win a tournament. And let's go find him. Let's welcome in Pete Renato. Pete, I'm going to go right on to the Breeders' Cup preps this weekend and talk about the two-year-olds. What was your assessment of the two juvenile races like Corniche and Ed Easy um, over at uh, Santa Anita? They were both impressive performances by two good trainers. I really particularly felt good for D'Amato because D'Amato hasn't been a guy that traditionally had horses like this, precocious two-year-olds that are good that could potentially be in this case on the Oaks trail where he's, you know, been better usually with older turf horses. So both performances great. And, you know, the issue that we have is was, you know, how much of it was aided by the track, you know, both horses were wire to wire winners on a track that was favoring speed for three, the first three days of the meet. And so visually they look great, but we'll see how that translates come breeders cup. How good was Echo Zulu? Really good. Horse is special. Aston Houston keeps finding these monsters. Um, the one thing about <clears throat> Asmussen, his horses always look so good, don't they? Always pretty. Yeah. Always uh, the uh, best turned out and braided up. And yeah, they, they definitely win the aesthetics contest for sure. Um, I was impressed with her because she took pressure. And it looked like they were all going to gang up on her. And then she hit another gear. Um, Jack Christopher. Um, Interesting thing about him. He's a Munnings. And Munnings are incredibly genuine. And he's out of a a, a half hour mare. Uh, Half hours was an unbridled song of Todd Fletcher's. It was very impressive. But as a stallion, just didn't really take off. However, the mare's a half to street boss. So there is some pedigree there. Um, he could probably... He, I, I will share with, with you this. When he broke his maiden, I texted Chad Brown. And I said, he moves and he acts just like good magic. Now, we know good magic was by curling. However, this guy has that action that looks like good magic. He has the action of a sprinter. I always felt good magic had that same action of a sprinter, but was able to carry a speed. Now, good magic did not win the champagne. Good magic ran second and then broke his maiden in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile at Del Mar. He texted me back <clears throat> and he said, good eye. I put Jose on him because Jose used to ride good magic because I felt he reminded me a lot of good magic. And he's a kind of an interesting horse. 
that I think with only two starts and obviously has not been completely cranked, as we say, let me say, my, you know, my prankster was first time out. Um, that horse has got an ability that possibly could move forward at Del Mar. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if he likes the surface, uh, that was a really impressive performance. He beat a few very good horses, at least on paper, going in that either didn't show up or he was just that much better. So it's hard to tell, you know, but it is a that was a strong performance. You know, we're coming back in four weeks. Who knows uh, what will happen? But, uh, yeah, tons of potential there. And maybe long term he ends up just being a sprinter miler. But uh, he, I don't know. You might be right. He might be able to run all day. Well, the thing is with two-year-olds, they can stretch out one time. First time around two turns is always a really strong play for two-year-olds. Now, whether they can do it consistently, that is the key. <clears throat> I remember way back in the old days at, in California, and for the old-timers that probably remember this horse, horse called Busy Boy, B-I-Z-E-B-O-Y. He must have been claimed 100 times. And I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating, of course, but he was a very, very uh, popular horse at the coin box as I pulled him up. And Busy Boy was a sprinter. Busy Boy was by, was a, ran 74 times, Pete, won 13 races, 11 seconds, 12 third, earned a quarter of a million. And he was by distant land. <clears throat> at a majestic prince mare. This guy ran in nothing but claiming races. I think two, three, three out of his 74 lifetime starts were in non-claiming races. And those happened, and those took place when he was six years old. So he was in California. He debuted in 1985 at Hollywood Park. Took him seven, eight races to break his maiden. But after he broke his maiden, he showed that he could sprint around one turn at Santa Anita. But when they, when they stretched him out one time, he did do well. So they brought him back again. And guess what? Half mile stopped. So they had to really be uh, judicious and they did it when he was fresh I learned from him on how to view a sprinter going two turns so when they're two year olds they can handle it but just because you did it as a two year old does not mean you're going to be able to do it as a three year old and that is a, that a misgiven that a lot of handicappers fall for they think well he routed as a two year old or an early three-year-old, <clears throat> that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean he'll do it consistently. There's a horse like that right now, uh, Bourbon something. I uh, remember he ran second in um, Code of Honor, and then he tried to chase um, Maximum Security um, in Florida. I believe uh, Mark Hennig had him. Um, he's still running. He's a good sprinter. But they won't sprint him. They keep routing Um so, as far as the ability of going two turns, I don't doubt it that any of those horses can do it as two-year-olds. You raise a good point. You raise a good point for, just from a handicapping perspective. So, you know, you get these more precocious horses that might just be more in tune early on in the two-year-old season, even though their pedigree isn't to go longer. And those that really are true two-turn horses are just slower to develop and so that it, it's very logical but it's something that's often overlooked and i think there's opportunities to make money there by potentially overbet horses that have had some success routing early that not that's not <clears throat> really what they want to do especially when you get into more of the winter and, and spring and and a lot of people don't differentiate the two-year-old season from the three-year-old season when you're looking at horses going longer. Um, so for us, going into the Breeders' Cup, 
the last thing we really want to talk about is whether they can go to distance. I think they all can go to distance. It just it, because of the timing uh, of the year and and their and and the season. Um, so really, it's all about going in with Corniche and 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 and, and easy winning around two turns already. People say, well, they can show that they want to go two turns. We've also seen that backfire second time out around two turns. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Now, on the Corniche side, the Maris had nothing. Uh, <clears throat> it's, it, it has had nothing on the dirt. All of the siblings of Corniche that are winners all did it on the turf. Isn't that interesting? And, you know, the, the turf, you know, pedigree creates more maybe that bottom to give the ability to run longer over long, over time. So, you know, Corniche may be an exception and we'll ultimately see. But, um, again, I'm always skeptical when these tracks are playing the way they have been. And we, we really need to see how the next couple of races go. But uh, Corniche um, yeah, may be a special horse, another another great Baffert. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and in easy, Phil D'Amato, who really doesn't have a whole lot of young horses at this level this early. Uh, that one's out of an Australian mare by, uh, and the broodmare sire is Fastnet Rock, uh, uh, Fastnet Rock, um, you know, who is a very good, very, very good turf sire. So, Myler. So, there's some interesting dilemmas there as a handicapper when you're looking at them and going, you know, like we have Kevin say on our Zoom, who is that horse? Right. So, so those two-year-olds two are really interesting. Um, any particular two-year-old that was impressive to you in their preps for the Breeders' Cup? I mean, I, I, don't, I re don't recall the name, but the, the, the DeSormo horse uh, that ran that the Ford at San Diego closed <laughs> from the clouds, you know, 15 lengths back. Desert I, Dawn? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that's one that... <clears throat> That reminds me a little bit of like, you know, a Texas red type of situation. How, you know, if the, if the track's playing fairly, Cup Breeders' Cup Day, and, and you've got these speedy types that are just winning wire to wire, and then they end up hooking up or, or just, you know, the, the, or even the track maybe with a high tide favors closures, that's, that's the type of horse that if they can get into the Breeders' Cup is going to be dangerous at a price. And what's interesting is um, the, uh, well, the Desert, Desert Dawn was actually Phil D'Amato. That ran third. Are we talking about another horse? Uh, the Sorma was the rider. I forgot if it was this with Don. I'll, I'll check. I'll I can tell you check. right now. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's what you meant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, David Ricardo Gonzalez wrote him. Okay. Yeah, but that's an interesting call yep. he just made. Desert Don ran third in the um, in the chandelier. Let's take a look at. What we had, um, oh, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about OBS class. Mm -hmm. OBS class ran third, beating uh, half a length for second, and that was the Kent Sormo and Keith Sormo horse. Exactly. Yes. Yep. You know, I, I that you know what's interesting. I saw a workout on that horse, and I thought that horse was really interesting. I played him next time out at Del Mar, and he basically, I think he ran third. Uh, I'm trying to pull him up right now. He was eleven. He was an eleven and a half lengths out at the half mile pole. Right, right. Against a very strong feed, speed favoring track versus Speedy Baffert that went wire to wire. I mean that that's that's definitely a horse. I don't. I don't know. If he's in the Breeders' Cup, he's definitely a horse I'm using at least underneath as a key. Well, we're gonna pull him up right now because I want to find out too. And I needed to make sure I had the, the correct spelling. Oviat class. <clears throat> I remember that name because I saw a workout <clears throat> from him that I really thought was interesting. But yet, um, when he ran, um, he's run four times and he's got a maiden. I liked him off his first start which ended up being a, uh, a mile on the turf. Didn't run a lick. <clears throat> I like him next time out on August 7th at Del Mar. He finishes third. He breaks his maiden third time out, 
going a mile on the dirt and making a big, long, sweeping run to win by four and a quarter. Could he be this year's Texas Red? You never know. Good call. Yeah. He was bred by Godolphin. The other thing, too, is, you know, he, he, he did, there wasn't even a middle move. It was just one long, sleeping one run. It, you know, at the, at the three-quarter pole, he was still 10 back. Right. Um, so, yeah, you know, let's see how the track's playing Breeders' Cup Day. But that's one I'm definitely going to have on my radar. Even if I you know, play the Breeders' Cup betting challenge and I do find maybe a short price horse that I really think is a standout, you know, I'll, I'll play very aggressive exactors with him second or aggressive triples with him third. But that's, that's one I will definitely keep in mind. And also, you know, Kent DeSormo, um, you know, it's uh, you're going to have Bafferts in there. You're going to have Pletchers in there. You're going to have Browns in there. You're going to have Mott's in there. You know, it's, uh, you know, Keith DeSormo might be overlooked, even though the horse ran very well. The mayor of OBS class, his name is Occasionally, uh, she won routing. Her only race was routing. She was a half to a $195,000 uh, two-year-old, uh, very nice two-year-old who won the Demoswell, Demoswell uh, she was a Philly. She wanted them as well at, uh, uh, I can't, that's French. I, I can't say that right. Uh, at Aqueduct as a two-year-old and ran second in the Blue Hand at Delaware. Also at Alyssa Stake as a two-year-old. So um, very precocious breeding there. And Oviat class, uh, to me, it st- stood out in a couple of works that made me bet him the time that it ran third. And I was disappointed. I expected more uh, out of him that day. Uh, it was a modest $60,000 uh, Keelan purchase by Keith DeSormo. Um, that horse is very live. And, yeah. and, and, and it's got, you know, the, the Texas Red written all over. Yeah, there's a, a, Bur- there's a Bernardini out of a Tisnow mare. I mean, that's, that's a horse that's going to want more ground. And let's just say this. We catch one of those tracks at Del Mar that the tide is out and, and it's absolutely playing the closers and rally wide. Boy, it plays right into his hands. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Um, let's talk about sprint, the Breeders' Cup sprint. Then we'll talk about Dr. Shivel. Well, you know, what a performance by Dr. Shivel. Um, and what he's done as a three-year-old against older. It, it matches up for a really – nobody talks about him. Yet, it's going to be him and Jackie's Warrior as probably the two best sprinters in the country. Yeah, it was a great performance, and um, he's. I think he's just getting better, incrementally better. And, you know, Glatt ha- had a really good meet at Del Mar, uh, so there's, he knows the track. There's no reason why the horse isn't going to fire really big on Breeders' Cup Day. And I, I've got to say this. Um, <clears throat> that mare, Little Nugget, uh, she ended up being the half to ultra blend. I knew that mare when she was with um, with Jeff Mullins, and she won two races at Del Mar. Well, Dr. Shivel has won two grade one races, uh, has won grade one races at Del Mar, and, and, and now is going into the Breeders' Cup at Del Mar. I, it, we could say there's such thing as, uh, you know, pedigree. Horse for course. Right. I mean, uh, but Little Nugget was a horse that that uh, I ended up targeting after she was retired. Uh, <clears throat> if I remember, we bought her <clears throat> privately, and um, she went on to to be just an okay mare for the first ten foals, and then all of a sudden she got Doctor Shivel. Uh, it just speaks to the volume to who violence is as a stallion. Um, I want to bring one more horse up before we uh, move on, and that's United. Uh, United uh, showed again why he's the the one of the better long distance turf horses uh, in America. Um, he ran great the bricks and mortar two years ago at Santa, Santa Anita. He did it again uh, to get the win in your end for the Breeders' Cup turf. What's your view of United? United shows up. I made the mistake couple races back of not using him in a field I thought didn't set up for his style. He was still tactical enough to stay close and win anyway. I think 
omitting him cost me $12,000 that day. So I'm a believer. You know, we ran big against brick and mortar at a huge odds. You know, we don't know what the European monsters are going to be looking like coming in this year, but this horse is just too honest not to use uh, when you're putting together tickets. Uh, he's a great story, and I, I expect him to show up on Breeders' Cup Day. What about our collector? What's your view about our collector? Our, our collector is an interesting story. I, I mean, I'm slightly bitter because I had a big Derby Futures bet. <laughs> I, I had a big Derby Futures bet on our collector when Drew <clears throat> had him. I mean, he, he, he looked great. You know, then he had some issues, but um, it's interesting because uh, one of the guys that I, I converse with regularly on Twitter, uh, he liked the horse two races before the art collector race on Saturday. And he goes, I'm, I'm really looking for a single in the Woodward. And he goes, can you now? He goes, what did you play? I go, oh, I was probably 3D because is there any way you can narrow it? Like, who do you really, if I held a gun to your head, I go, I feel like Mott's turned art collector around got him back to the way he should be running, and that would be the one I would use. And he ended up making money on it. You know, when he wasn't a big price, he think it was five to two. But our collector to me, you know, tactical speed, uh, another one getting better, managed by a good horseman, a lot of natural talent, moves well. No reason why he's not going to run big on Breeders' Cup Day either. Boy, him and Nick Sko. Boy, I, Nick Sko, I, Nick Sko is just phenomenal. Um, he just keeps on going. He does. He's an amazing horse. Um, and you know, and he's, he's you know, no, no one's going to go with him, right? Because he's just too he's too quick early. And so, who who knows? Our collector maybe sits off a bit, but it's uh, those are some nice horses. It's it's a it's going to be a great Breeders' Cup Classic this year. Well, what's interesting to me is people started talking about how he was not good at Churchill. I guess they, people have short-term memories. You know, all you have to do is go look at his past performances. And, and you can see that at Churchill Downs, he got beat by a length by a game winner in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile in 2018. So At a big <clears throat> number. At a huge number. Yeah. He had just come off a 50-1 to 1 in, in the uh, Claiborne Futurity. And so Churchill was not going to hold him back. You know, but yet people only want to see what they want to see. He was a good two-year-old. <clears throat> and people go, oh, how did he get so good? Go back and look at his two-year-old season. He was pretty damn good. Um, it was and, great. I, yeah. And, and, and I, an important point here, I think, because I always look at things from a handicapping angle. I'm a racing fan. I enjoy watching races. But people that don't do well in the betting game like to jump to conclusions like to overgeneralize, see something like a bad race on a particular surface. Like, oh, he doesn't like that surface. Well, it could have been a lot of things. The course could have tied up that day. The horse, it, it could, it could be, there could be 25 different reasons why that particular day wasn't, wasn't that horse's day. And we want to always look at things with, with a fresh perspective, give the benefit of the doubt. When you see a horse, in the past performances capable of running a monster race, you know, and then all of a sudden they have a bad one or two bad ones. Um, you know, it, there's normally it's an excuse. It's not just that the horse went bad all of a sudden. And, and we've got, we've got to keep that in mind. Uh, and you know, whether it's trainer switches or layoffs. See, or, can I stop you right here? Yeah. Can we just say those people, we want to send a limo to go pick them up and send them to the track to bet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. I mean, they make our prices. Yep. I mean, their stupidity is our game. If they want to go look at horses the way they do and keep putting money through the window, we'll gladly take it. We may even send a limo to go pick them up. <clears throat> I tell you, when I play tournaments, one of the I do I have a lot of things in the toolbox, but one thing I like to do because you know you got to fish for prices if you're going to win any of these things, especially when there's three, four, five hundred players in the tournament. Um, I like to look at the past performances of a horse whose recent form has not been the greatest. You know, whether it's running thirds, fourths, or fifths, or missing the board altogether. Um, but horses that show a race or two or three or five sometimes on the form that say they can win today. And then at that point, I go to the next step and say, well, why is this horse not running 
well the last race or two you know is it surface is it not enough rest is it you know a trainer switch is it an equipment issue is there something that suggests that the horse can run back to the race maybe not one back two back three back maybe it's seven back but that i know that the ability is there and and i and i, w- I was trying to explain this to my father a couple weeks ago because he he likes to play but he's not a sophisticated handicapper but he's competent and and he said, you know, how come this horse can run so good one day and so bad the next? And my dad likes to go to the gym, even though he's older. And I said, Dad, let's assume you, you can bench 200 pounds on your good day. You, you know you're a 200-pound bench press guy. But, you know, maybe your shoulder's a little sore. Maybe your elbow's a little sore or something like that. Are you going to bench 200 that specific day? And he goes, no. I go, what do you bench? He goes, I don't know. I might bench 180. I go, well, think about the horse that might run you know, two fifths of a second slower. And that, that's, that's two lengths. And you have to understand, you know, everything has to kind of fall into place sometimes for the horse to perform to their level. But if you look deep enough on the PPs, you'll know what that upside level is. And a lot of times they come back to it. And those are the ones that pay 50 bucks, 60 bucks, 80 bucks, a hundred bucks. Those are the horses that are going to create big scores for you. Hey, listen, anytime your dad wants that limo drive to the, to the OTB, I think we could give them to him just just because he's your dad. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, but those those are the people that you know that you love to have betting in front of you because that's how you get prices. <clears throat> you know, sometimes you don't want to wisen up a dummy. So, but speaking speaking of wisening up dummies, we <laughs> this is a bad segment. Um, we are going to do. Um, a, a few, a couple of zooms going into the Breeders' Cup, and I hope you'll join me, Pete. And we're going to go over the Arc de Triomphe results. We're going to watch those races. It worked for us last year. We will continue to do that. <clears throat> I do want to talk before I let you go about a project that you have coming up, and <clears throat> and it's regarding claiming events. Um. Tell us about it. So I've been doing well with my own claiming, which restarted this year. I got more serious about it. I've had some some really good ones. One in particular that you have been a part of. It's Colin DeHare, who's been outstanding. And um, I was watching a lot of people complain on Twitter about the well, large- well, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. People complain on Twitter? Yeah, never. Right. About, no. the large, about the large commercial syndicates. And I'll give you the examples. And there was a long, long string. And, and <clears> one <throat> of them was about my racehorse. And, you know, my racehorse, there's, there's pros and cons. You know, the pros is that it gets people involved for $100. It's fantastic. You know, on the downside, the reality is they're buying horses at sales for a quarter of a million dollars. And they're syndicating them for four, five, six hundred thousand. And when you really look at the numbers, you're, you feel like you're ripped off, even though you're only in for a couple of hundred bucks. And I and I totally get it. So you know the my the, the my racehorse uh, thread, as well as a couple of other ones, led me to the idea that let's bring people into the game that a want to have fun, but b let's let's just truly be fans and let's eliminate fees. Let's eliminate markups. So I, I have proposed a claiming fund where management basically work, which is basically me and probably a few other people, we're, we're working for free. We're going to have a good time. We're going to claim horses. We're going to have our own money in, so we're not making money off of profits from other people's capital. We're all in this together, and we're not going to let anybody own more than probably 4 or 5%. And I had a, a, a key provision, no A-holes in our deal. We, we want people that are cool, that want to have fun, and, and we're going to make it very democratic, engaging, and, and we're going to claim and we're going to have a lot of runners and we're going to watch them. And we're going to be fans and we're going to be owners and we're going to hopefully make money. And I got a great response. I, I've, I've gotten at least 50 DMs since proposing it. Uh, I've outlined the general parameters and we're going to go ahead and get going in about four weeks. So it'll be exciting, and, and we'll load up and uh, hopefully have some, some success stories over the next year or so. I'm going to throw a couple of cents worth. I already threw out the 
overs and unders on the on the a-holes i say three okay <clears throat> so we need to come up with some kind of line on that but i learned you know i've been an attorney for entrepreneurs <clears throat> and creative people for 20 years one thing i learned about financings and avoiding uh abrasive shareholders and partners is you always want to try to limit ownership to a, a low enough level where it's easy to buy that person out if you need to, you know, cause I've had clients where they're desperate to raise capital for their venture and they bring on a, a, an investor who they know is going to be a problem, but they really need that capital. And that person comes in for 20%, 30%, 40%. And then they're stuck yeah. because there. they, ha- because they can't, there. yeah, they yeah. can't, they can't put, they, they can't yeah. buy them out. And, and it's just like that person ends up with too much power and, and and so, you know, you, you don't you don't want that situation in any business. Unfortunately, some people have no choice and they really believe in their underlying business so much. They, they want to just take the capital any way they can. But we, we want to make money. You know, I, 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 I want to treat this like an entrepreneur. That's what I do with the horses I have now. There's a lot of thought and analysis that goes into things. It's not just about the fun. It's really about finding angles and finding horses we can move up and. You and I and Norm have done great with its cold in the hair, finding that she was really a route horse despite not having any trainer feel that way after 30 races. And we're going to look for those types <coughs> and, um, and hopefully have money and, and, and have a lot of fun in the process. Well, we're going to have you back on. We're going to talk about when this starts and we'll get you some more people, get some money in. And obviously we're going to follow and see how you're doing and, uh, but uh, Pete Renato, I love what you – oh, tell people if they want to get a hold of you about this. How did they get a hold of you? Just grab me on Twitter at Pete Renato, P-E-T-E-R-I-N as in Nancy, A-T as in Tom O. And you can DM me or follow me, and we'll, uh, we'll connect. And I'm assembling names, and we'll do a conference call in the next few weeks on the details and get rolling with it. And my friend, thank you for the half hour. I will. Uh, we covered a lot of horses. We talked about some great topics. And um, let's move on to this Friday night at the Zoom. Hope to see you there. And we're going to be talking Keeneland. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Bruno. Have a great week. All right. Thank you. And now that Pete Renato is uh, shared with us his grand uh, claiming uh, partnership. Uh, that he's putting together. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Pete's a great guy. You will have a lot of fun with him. We are going to go find Ron Flatter, and we're going to speak to Ron Flatter about everything that's happening in racing. Stay, Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. And make sure that you check us out at racingwithbruno.com. We have everything that you need from all our racetracks to our simulcast edition. And you can also sign up for our Zoom on Friday night. Now let's go find Ron Flatter. And here he is, long time overdue, back on the Bruno with the Works podcast. It's Mr. Ron Flatter. Hey, Flatter, how you doing? When I hear the word overdue, I say, you know, uh, I sent the check last week. Uh, If it's not with a signature, just let me know and I'll send another one next week. Well, thank you, Ron Flatter, for this great half hour. (laughs) It went by so quickly. Yes. Uh, So, hey, Ron, good to to hear from you and uh, good to have you on the podcast. And uh, Pete Renato and I were on earlier talking about Breeders' Cup preps. And one thing that I wanted to talk to you about, because this is one of the favorite, my favorite parts uh, of, of doing uh podcast with you. Uh, you've got some future odds you can update us on uh, in the 12 divisions on the Breeders' Cup, can you? 12 of the 14, yeah. We, we got a bunch. Uh, it's, um, and you got to take these with a bit of a grain of salt because they're all either offshore or overseas. And I should point out to you that Monomoy Girl was still in the odds. In fact, was put back in the odds until I sent a note to the folks overseas and said, hey, you might not have gotten the message arriving in that bottle yet, but she's not racing anymore. You know, so and then they go, oh, well, uh, sorry, sir. We'll get right on that. You know, that kind of a thing. 
So you get that occasionally, or Bovada will do something where they'll put a horse in there and they're like, what, what's this horse doing that? It's not racing anymore. Might not even be, God forbid, living anymore. I mean, that's happened too, but it does give us a useful snapshot though, Bruno. I think because you see either what bookmakers are absorbing in terms of their liability so far for these races, or what we might even see in terms of paramutual odds when we get close to post time. And it gives you a little better idea, maybe than a morning line, or conjecture or whatever else might be going into it between now and then, because there is at least real money at play here. For instance, you go to the Breeders' Cup Classic, and we're seeing, I mean, you're seeing a lot of play on Nick's go at 7-2 to two in Europe and as short as 5-2 to two here in North America. And so, I mean, are you betting Nick's go at 5-2 to two right now? I think you're going to get about as good as that maybe even a little better than that, come post time. So there's that. And the essential quality next at about four to one or nine to two. And then it fans out from there. But you start to see, you go through this exercise. Well, well, well wait, but wait a minute. What I thought it was absolutely ridiculous is life is good at six to one. Oh, yeah. Well, six to one. Yeah, six to one of Bovada, 12 to one overseas. And I just talked to Todd Pletcher from my podcast uh, a little while ago. Well, they're, you know, they're going dirt mile. So, you know, I mean, yeah, bet, right. it all you want. bet it all you want, kids. You just, in yeah. fact, go ahead and send it to me. I'll book that bet if you'd like. Huh? Yeah, and Hot Rod Charlie at 7-1? to one? Come on. Yeah, 7-1. to one, Again, you can get 10-1 to one in Europe. Um, you would think that that's maybe a little more. I mean, if you consider the baseline being that 5-2, to 7-2 for Knicks go, well, then, yeah, okay, maybe Hot Rod Charlie makes sense there. But, again, why not just wait until the week of the race for some right. of these single-digit horses, because you're going to get about that price, and it's probably worth it just to wait. You might get a point lower, but you'll know the horse is at least entered into the race at that point. But for some of these other long shots, and you look around, I mean, uh, is Medina Spirit worth ten to one? I don't know that. Uh, I don't think ten to one's necessarily a good price there. Um, but you start. You know who looking, stood out at me? You know who jumped yeah? out at me? Concert tour at twenty-five Concert to one. one. I was just going to say, you know, I was looking at that twenty-five to one. You can even get thirty-three on them in Europe. And I thought, well, okay, there's one that you kind of look at and go, all right, hmm, makes you go, hmm. So, yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right. You look for the, I mean, you're not looking for bombers. You're just looking for something that's maybe a reasonable overlay at this point. That's the whole reason you go into a futures bet. Otherwise, you just leave it alone and you're just amused by it. And then you can look at this and say, all right, maybe this is a bit of a snapshot as to what the paramutual odds will look like. And I think. To a certain degree, that's true. Uh, I, you know, I think, yeah, I think Nixco is going to be that short. I was talking to somebody, uh, I'm trying to remember where, the other day. I think it might have been Mike Willman on his show out in L.A. I mean, would you dare, where would you indeed go? Why would you bet on a horse that's never gone a mile and a quarter to win the mile and a quarter classic? Well, how'd that work out with Gunrunner, right? So there's precedent, recent precedent. Right, and and... Speaking of concert tour, going back to that, horse hasn't even got a workout. Hmm. Well, that's that would be a bit of a factor, now, would <laughs> Yeah, a little. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's got it's got two chances of being in the Breeders' Cup Classic, slim and none. Well, there you go. There, there's there's a reason maybe not to go in that direction. Is there is there one that you saw in there, Bruno? That you'd say, huh? All right. Well, I, I'd take a look at it. Maxfield at twelve to one. In fact, you can even get him at 20 in Europe. Yeah. 12 to 1. Yeah, Maxfield. You kind of wonder which Maxfield's going to show up, right? Well, I mean, I thought he ran really, really well against a, a lone front runner in our collector. And he made his move. He had to be put into the race earlier. He made his move. He ended up running a good second. Didn't get any setup at all. But if that Delmar track comes comes to play in four to five wide, rally wide, that horse fits. Mm. You know something else that's worth looking at along those lines, Bruno? Uh, I'm putting together a piece on what Breeders' Cup winners did in their last race, their final prep, before they won their Breeders' Cup race. And there have been 360 Breeders' Cup races since 1984. 360. Give me, I'll, I'll throw it at you. Question without notice. What percentage of those winners, of those 360 winners, do you think won their final prep beforehand? 
I would say probably 33%. A little better than that, though. No, 52. It's 52. But, okay. but, this, but it's interesting. When you break it down by race or even by surface, for dirt races and for dirt, we do include the years, the two years that they were on the synthetic at Santa Anita. 56% of them won their previous race. The turf races, it's only 47%, which suggests that old saw about how Europeans don't feel like they have to send their best horses to the U.S. to win in the Breeders' Cup. And, and one that's even more glaring, and it's not a big history, is the Dirt Mile. Only four of the 14 winners won their last prep race beforehand. And in fact, two years ago, it was only two for 12, the last two Dirt Mile winners won their last prep beforehand, underscoring the thought that the Dirt Mile is really nothing more than the NIT uh, of the Breeders' Cup. Hmm. Anyway, just food for thought. The interesting part, um, looking at the turf, as you mentioned, um, uh, having watched this weekend's past weekend, Arc de Triomphe car, um, Tarnawa ran really well. He sure um, did. Yeah. He's coming. He's also, also did Hurricane Lane. Who Hurricane was well Lane back. Got his, you know, he got into trouble and he was bounced around a little bit about a quarter mile out. And he had to extricate himself from between horses. And he, I think he did really well to, to, to run big. The German horse ran huge. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, 71. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, uh, that one that one totally escaped. I, I can imagine, you know, if you were at the track, there was a very lonely uh, time to be at the windows after the race. Uh, that was that was something. Um, what did you make of the horses getting over again? It's the third year in a row. It's been a very soft, heavy surface. But you know, that's Longchamp. You know, in a, in reality, Longchamp has always played in in that kind of manner. And it plays to horses that actually have good long charm course records, horses that have handled that that course before. And what's interesting about it is start, I start looking in the third, fourth, and fifth place horses, mm-hmm. horses that didn't have the really good trip. Uh, had a yard, uh, I, I, if you pronounce that, if I pronounce that correctly. Yeah, you got it. Um, I thought he ran really well. You know, he's the kind of horse that maybe likes a little bit, uh, a little bit firmer ground. But he looks very interesting to me. I think he can move forward. Um, a horse that didn't run in the arc, about Mishrif. Is he going? Is he being prepped to go directly into the Breeders' Cup turf? Well, he the, would be very interesting. He's going to go. Well, you're going to go British champion first. So that's that's okay. what you're going to look at. I mean, that's next weekend. And how about that's Snowfall? A, yeah, Snowfall, who was supplemented into the race for what was 180,000 or whatever it was. Uh, that's an interesting situation there with, uh, with Snowfall uh, because you look at that whole yard, Aiden O'Brien, they've had a weird late summer, early fall. You know, St. Mark's Basilica gets retired. Love just can't seem to stay fit. I think there's something wrong with that girl. Uh, I mean, last year they said, oh, she wasn't going to do well on the soft turf, and then they had the – drug question with the whole Aiden O'Brien yard last year before Longchamp and they couldn't get anybody in the races. And then this year it's like, ah, well, no, she's got a little minor setback. And then, you know, I mean, you hear about minor setbacks and uh, they, the last time we heard about a minor setback on a horse in the Coolmore yard, the horse wound up being euthanized shortly after that. So it's, it's been a weird autumn for Coolmore and for that group. Uh, I don't know that they know what's going to happen next for them. It just seems, I don't know, something's wrong with this picture, Bruno. Something's wrong with this picture. Now, talking about, excuse me. You're, are you doing well? I got to ask, I got to, are you doing well? You, you, you were under the weather here recently. Uh, I'm I'm worried about it. I'm coming out of it. I'm coming out of it. (laughs) I am coming out of it and it's just taking a long time. All right. Um, so I want to make sure you're doing well. So the this staff, mm-hmm. uh, you you guys just put out a really great piece on Latruska. Um and there was talk about the classic with her. Oh, is that just fans talking? 
Well, no, I mean, I, Fausto Gutierrez, I want to say late spring, early summer, when I talked to him, remember she had those two races really close together. Uh, she won that, uh, was it a grade two at Churchill on closing weekend? And it was only like three weeks after she had her previous win. And he did suggest that if she really blew him away, they might entertain the notion. But I think that was a little bit of him being polite to say, yeah, okay, I'll, if you want to say it and suggest it, I'll listen to it. But he also said in the same breath, the distaff is a pretty significant division, and he doesn't want to downplay that. I get that there's a $4 million difference in purse. But she's, I mean, you're looking at a horse that's every bit of, and is, what is she, uh, at seven to four right now to win the distaff. Uh, I think you're going to be lucky to get that uh, at post time. Um, I mean, you look at the other candidates that could be there, Malathat training right up to the distaff after not having raced since August. Uh, you got, uh, is private mission coming? You got Swiss skydiver, you know, probably not because she's going to get sold. She dares the devil, uh, who, you know, you can always say, all right, well, there's, there's a wild card there, but don't you think Latruska is going to be every bit, uh, worth that price at, at, you know, less than two to one. I think that's, that's, that's almost one of those cases Bruno, would you be singling her in the distaff in a horizontal bet? I could. I mean, I think Malathat has gotten a reputation of being this great filly without ever running a fast race. Um, you've got She Dares the Devil. That's, you know, she's going to be a tough customer on the front if she wants to go to the front end. And you'll have to see how Latruska handles it. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I read Riser, he's going to try to scare the living daylights out of Florence Giroux and get him to take back. You've got <clears throat> Bonnie South that comes from the back of the pack. Clear air is not good enough. And, uh, you know, all these three-year-old fillies just take turns beating each other. And then Fresh. what do you have? Crazy Beautiful. Uh, Vequist, who can't go that far. Will Secret. And they out of the office. So it, it's a race that I think Latruska, if she's 100%, she's the one that's going to be the one to beat. Well, how about the mile? And the mile is interesting. Poetic Flair is 9-2. to two. Palace Pier is nine to five. Um, you got Bahed at six to one, and then Mo Forza is sitting there at six to one, also here in the United States. I think if Palace Pier shows up, that's another possibility for singling. I mean, this this horse has not taken a wrong step all year for John and Thady Gosden. That I mean, if that's the big question, I mean, are they really coming? And if so, that's I. Bruno, I don't see where you go anywhere else in that race. I really don't. <clears throat> you got Order of Australia coming back. He probably won't get that same kind of turf course Mm-mm. that it got last year here at Keeneland. Um, there's going to be a lot, you know, really the top of There's going to be really a firm, firm turf course at Del Mar. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Poetic Flares look great, but I usually don't like straight milers out of Europe coming back here at, at, at uh, you know, in California. Or in um, um, in the know, U.S. In, at all? You know, in the U.S. at all. So very, it'd be very interesting just to see uh, what's going to happen and who actually goes where. And you know, we're, we're going to see the maker's yeah. mark. But let's not forget. Now, you, I mean, you talk about <laughs> Flair. Let's not forget though that his last race was actually a mile and a quarter in the Irish Champion, and that was and, and did beat. St. John's Basilica, uh, St. Mark's Basilica before, before he was yeah. So I think, so I don't think it's, it's not like you did, this is a straight miler circumstance. Uh, I don't think that's, you know, I, that was the test in a way, because you say, all right, first time going beyond a mile. Now you're putting in a turn. I think that, I think that might've satiated any questions you might've had about Palace Pier uh, coming over here. Now in the British, or, country, pardon me, up I, you know something, Bruno? I, I was all over the place there. I was looking at poetic flair. I apologize. I was sitting there uh, waxing on about poetic flair. So everything you just heard, pretend that last part of your life didn't actually exist. Palace Pier. <laughs> <laughs> Palace Pier. Yeah, you're right. Uh, is, is undefeated this year, all at a mile, all on good to fast or good to soft. 
but always some pretty firm, firmish tracks. So, uh, and each one of those, uh, three of those were straight. Uh, it looks like the one exception to that uh, might have been at Sandown back in April. I don't know if there was a turn in that course. It doesn't show as having a straight course back in April uh, in the racing post form. So maybe that satiates any fears you have in that particular case. But uh, but it was a close race between Palace Pier and Poetic Flair the last time they met. Uh, and uh, Poetic Flair has raced once since. And again, you're looking at Palace Pier coming off the bench. So let's see if Palace Pier, let's see what they do in terms of British champion because uh, he is entered to be in the QE2, which is the British champion mile race uh, at Ascot next weekend. So I think, I really think before you dive into these European horses, especially the ones in Britain, let's see who's coming through Ascot next week on British Champions Day. And then you can work from there. But I think anybody who doesn't have a real firm indication about where those horses are going to go and whether they're going to go through Ascot, whether they're even going to come out of Ascot and go to Del Mar, that's a big, big fork in the road as far as I'm concerned. In the Breeders' Cup sprint, uh, Jackie's Warrior is by far the favorite. He's almost even money. Um, what I find interesting is Flightline is 7-2. to two. And... I think yeah, he'd be coming back too quick after running at Del Mar. For the yeah, are we sure run. are we sure he's coming in? I, that's that's something. I, I heard they're it. pushing. I heard they're pushing for Malibu. The interesting horse in there is Doctor Shivel. Yeah, Doctor Shivel. Yeah, absolutely. I look at Doctor Shivel, and the other one I would look at. Can he recap <laughs> anything from the past to CZ Rocket? You know, I would have to say, you know, Dr. Scheibel has basically kicked his butt every single time they faced each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and the interesting part about it, Ron, a lot of people don't know, I bought that mayor, Little Nugget. Did you really? After, yeah, I had that, and it ended up, uh, uh, it ended up leaving her with uh, Bill Branch and Arnold Hill. They had a number of decent runners, act, you know, got horses to the races, wasn't anything great, and all of a sudden, boom, they went to violence, and they got Dr. Scheibel, so... So very interesting. She was a uh, Jeff Mullins uh, mayor that he claimed she ran twice, won both times for him at Del Mar, lost her to Ted West. She ran one time, never ran again. Um, but uh, that mayor, you know, is was two for two at Del Mar and her foal loves Del Mar. I OK, all of the above. I I just wonder about a bomber coming into this race. Uh, how about Lexitonian? I mean, is, is Lexitonian going to take money because <clears throat> of the surprise win earlier this year? Uh, does Lexitonian... Who how cares about if he takes money? He's still going to be 25 to 1. How about how about Forensic Fire? He's not going to be that big. It's not New York. It's not New York, right? So you look at he names... He tries hard. He tries hard. He, he does. He tries hard. You can't if knock him. But hey, if it's not way, a Belmont... By the way, by yeah. the way... You watch that replay with Yapon, and mm -hmm. Yapon initiates and acts like he's going to take a oh, bite with the, with out of Forense Fire. And Forense Fire said, oh, no, you don't. I'm going to double down on what you just tried to do to me, and I'm going to triple down and kick your butt. Yeah, you know, you it's, it's, it's funny. Kelly Breen, uh, Tom Padula did a piece for us at Horse Racing Nation on that very incident. And uh, Kelly Breen's line, he, I love the line. For what he's done around the barn and how he's acting, I think it was a one-time deal. <laughs> I think you think or you hope. I mean, yeah. Well, I can tell you, you watch it, and Yapon for a moment thinks about going to try to bite him because he's going to get beat. And it was and, a great ploy by Yapon, yeah, you know, to do that because he ended up getting the win because he caught he he, he pushed the he pushed the envelope with him. With Forensic Fire, and Forensic Fire wasn't standing for it. If you want to go look at it, look at the head-on of, uh, of, of the last eighth of a mile between Yapon and Forensic Fire on, on Traverse Day. And you'll see Yapon lean over enough to act like he wants to bite, and that's when Forensic Fire let loose on him. And let's not forget, was it a year or two ago, Steve Bick discovered it or reminded us of it. He found the video that Forensic Fire... It. it happened in front of everybody. You well, know, no, no, he didn't discover it, but, you know, well, he, he, was, he remembered. Let's put this one. 
Bruno, you didn't retweet it, and I didn't retweet it. He retweeted it, and he put it up to Forensic Fire, who was the one himself who was getting savaged not so long ago. At yeah, Parks. I remember that. That was a 10-strike racing horse. Uh, Brad Cox, I think, trained it. <laughs> it's, I mean, it was the talk of NHC. I will say that. <laughs> yeah. That day, I was up in my room watching it. I thought, oh, I got to get downstairs and hear what people are saying about this. That was great. Yeah. Now, in the Philly and Mare Turf, Warlike Goddess is 3-1. to one. They've got Love up there at 7-2. to two. Snowfall is in there. Uh, you've got Well, Mother Love's not Earth. coming. Love's not coming. Yeah. We know that, right. yeah. Mother Earth, Altica. Um, that's going to be an interesting, really, really good. Well, Bruno, Adaria, if you can get 7 or 8 on Adaria, who I thought showed pretty well in the same race that she did not win last year at the Ark, she finished a little up the track and then came here and won the Philly and Mare Turf. I don't think that's a bad bet to get that kind of a price on Adaria, who finished similarly in the same race last year as she did coming into the Breeders' Cup. And here she is again, I, you know, to defend her title. I, I know she hasn't won since Keeneland, and that's a, that's a big thing. I, under, I get that. But I just think she showed some life at Longchamp that would be worth looking at her and seven or eight to one, I'll be looking. What's interesting is Aunt Pearl is mm-hmm. on the list. <laughs> um, and she's yeah, got yeah. one work at Turfway. <clears throat> she hasn't raced, you know, since yeah, she's since, Well, that's the, again, that's the whole thing. You've got, to, uh, you've got to take these odds from these foreign bookmakers with a grain of salt. They're not keeping track as closely as we are. Now, in the Dirt Mile, they've got life as good as the favorite. They also have Flightline as the second choice, and they have Jackie's Warrior as the third choice. I- I'll tell you what. There ain't no chance in hell that Jackie's Warrior goes two turns. Right, exactly. It's a two-turn. That's exactly right. It's two turns. I don't think she – I don't – He. pardon me. Every time I see Jackie's Warrior, I say she. I, I'm not the first to do that. I'll put money and in the con- Yeah, and even Concert Tour is 12 to 1 in here. What the heck are they smoking? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, uh, what do you think of Folsom? <laughs> of who? Of Folsom in that race for Brad Cox. You know, he's got to step up. I mean, he, he's not gone, you know, he's had a couple of big races before the, you know, out of competition testing, but since he's been running in graded races in the, com- in, in, uh, in the out of competition testing races, he hasn't done anything. Hmm. I think I mean it's hard it's hard to look past Silver State too. I mean that's oh, he's, this, he's a good horse. He just he, pulled himself up the other day. Yeah, he's he's a I mean you get five to one on him in Bovada, you get ten to one on him in Europe. Well, you give me ten to one, I'm all over Silver State. How about hidden enemy at forty to one? What are they smoking? Hidden enemy is a Asmus and Galileo that runs a mile and an eighth on the grass. <laughs> I mean, come on. I know. I mean, I know. are they reaching? So the I turf know. sprint, Golden Pal is a big time favorite at five to two, uh, pulling up Golden Pal to see yeah, where he is in his training. Yeah, that's uh, the thing because remember he had the bad he had the bad run at the Nunthorpe, right? And so that this is what and he's supposed to go this weekend, right? Isn't he not? Is he not racing yeah. this weekend at, at yeah, Keeneland? Yeah, he's had three works at Keeneland in September. So that's to so, me that's that there's that's where the rubber meets the road. Same thing as we were saying about British Champion. You got to see what Wesley has. With Golden Pal this weekend at well, Keeneland, he also has Kamari. You know, uh, he also has Kamari Campanella. Um, uh, I, I think these are the kind of races that sometimes I look at here and I just go, "Okay, next." I just don't put too much stock into looking at any prices in the Philly Mare Sprint. That's, they've got Gamine at four to five. Yeah, they yeah. got Bella Sofia four to one. Good luck, Rudy Rodriguez. When's the last time he won a Breeders' Cup race? Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, this I don't one, think he has. This one looks like a lot for. This is another single. Yeah, well, we'll see. You okay. know, and we'll see what kind of which gamine shows up because you got Sconson, you got Bell's the one. You know, they're not even listed on here. Uh, where are they at? Uh, the juvenile, the Corniches, and the Major General have been, and Gnite are, are are the are, are the horses that are being played. Pinehurst, Jack Christopher. Wins sitting add, at 13 can, to 2. Can I tell you one other thing, too? We've been reporting on this. Corniche is the 15 to 1 favorite to win the Kentucky Derby at William Hill. Yeah, good luck. Thank you. Now, 
If you're that, there, you're betting not only on the horse, but you're betting on the lawyer. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when's the last time a lawyer won uh, the Breeders' Cup? I mean, uh, the Kentucky oh, Derby. Well, the <laughs> forward pass, the forward pass dancers image year. I would say that year. Uh, juvenile fillies, Echo Zula was very impressive. Oh my God! Yeah, but they've only got five in there, so I'm not even. They got Averly Jane at ten to one. Okay, whatever. Um, so I mean, look, just looking at, uh, just looking at these. Uh, it's always fun to look at these these odds, you know, because they're going to change. And anybody that that takes those at heart, really, you know, I told Pete Renato, if people take these odds at heart, you know, a month in advance. I want to send them a limo to pick them up and go <laughs> take them over to go bet. Please. Yeah. The paramutual pools. Please. Please. Yeah, take the limo and go bet for it. Go bet. Go bet your money. You but know? where they but, are uh, useful, Bruno, is when you're doing comparison and you throw out the ones that shouldn't be there and you throw out the ones you know won't even be near the race and all of that. But once you get down to it, there is real <laughs> money on these things and you can do the comparisons. And it, it does give you at least something of a snapshot to where you can say, maybe there's an overlay here. Ah, that's an underlay there. And there's, there's a certain amount of accuracy to it. And it can, it can enter into your thinking. I mean, at the end of the day, what's it worth? And what's the morning line worth? And I would say in these, with these odds, at least it gives you a little bit of a background and an education and maybe a, cyn a cynical point of view as well before the morning lines come out. Because how many, Bruno, how many people are way overrate the morning line, right? Oh, God. I mean, cynical. Come on, Ron. You and I, you and I, you know, I mean, are we cynical? Ah, no. Does, does a chicken have lips? Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, I don't pay attention to morning lines. I don't care. You know, I, I, I want to know what the public is going to bet, not what's um, – some morning lines going to tell me because it usually end up being wrong. Now, speaking of um, wrong, that would be sarcasm. Me. Oh yes, <laughs> and the cynical the cynicalism. I, I want to thanks. I want to thank you and Matt Stahl for the piece you guys did during the uh, the honest uh, at um, at the Keeneland sale. Matt, oh the back end, yeah, the back end of the sale piece. Yeah, he did a great yeah. job. That. Yes. And that can be found on your site, and I have it pinned on uh, as a, a pinned tweet on my uh, on my Twitter account. Oh, good. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you have going right now at Horse Racing Nation, and what can we look forward towards the Breeders' Cup uh, from Ron Flatter and staff at H uh, at uh, uh, HRN. Yeah, and, and what we can do, and what we can actually keep up with. Well, it's a twofold. It's a two-pronged attack we're going to do with the Breeders' Cup. One of them is to try to address handicapping angles, which ones you should look at, take seriously, which ones you should throw out. And if for nothing else, it's an object of discussion. It doesn't mean we're going to be right or wrong about these things. What we're trying to do, hopefully, in each of the 14 divisions, okay, maybe not juvenile turf sprint, but at least in most of the divisions, we want to try to give you some ideas about whether to accept or reject angles that you will hear or maybe hadn't even thought of going into the race. So we've got a battery of people who are going to be writing and contributing for us over the next several weeks on that. Uh, Matt is working on a piece to run a little before the Breeders' Cup on how Lasix free stakes racing has impacted betting and even entry during the course of this year now that we're moving into more than a year immersed in that and so he's doing a piece on that and then when we get to the breeders cup itself we've got an army that will be at del mar we've got six people who will be credentialed to be riding at del mar including myself uh mark midland our ceo and a horse player himself mike shuddy who does our super screener uh victor ryan who is our california rider uh, that's part of the team, uh, and we'll have Chip Gerke and Patrick Minocchio also out there. So we've got we've got the uh, we've got the troops ready to deploy to be out in San Diego week up. So that's all in the build up, the build up too, and the coverage of the Breeders' Cup at HorseRacingNation.com. I look forward to it, and uh, Ron, the biggest thing that that we're going to have to look at from my point of view, <clears throat> and and to tell, and because I don't pay attention to this you know, is what 
the one thing that's going to be overplayed is how fast the horse works and the time. And that's going to be something in the last two weeks that always gets overhyped. We don't tend to. The horse yeah, we don't tend to do that at our place because honestly, Bruno, we don't know what we're looking at. You know, guys like but, you but do. But my point is, is that there's so many people that just go off the times. Yeah, I and, know. You know, and those are another person that we love to send the limo out to take them to the track. <laughs> the bullet works. Uh, Bet every horse that had a bullet work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that's why that's why clockers are so careful not to give you the right bullet works. So, but uh, I've enjoy, I enjoy the horse racing nation site. I go on there and take a look at what you've got, and uh, you 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 guys you do a very good job getting a lot of news out. Um, the ones uh, right now, the ones that are out, you talk about just might from a from a really really cool horsewoman, uh, Michelle Lovell. Uh, you talk right. about this uh, sorority win. Uh, from run up, a lot of the stuff that you don't hear from other um, um, other publications. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, Ron, great job on HRN HorseRacingNation.com. They can find you over there. And one last, uh, what do you? What do you end the podcast in your own special way? Well, how, the. It- well, I could do it with my own special plug for my own podcast. I said Pletcher's going to be on, so he'll be on on Friday. And <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, Tell us. Okay, so on Friday yeah, you're going to have Todd Pletcher. And mm-hmm. who else, who else are you going to have on? Uh, I'm going to get Jim Goodman, the mayor of Keeneland. Uh, I'll get him on to talk about the beginning of the Keeneland meet. And uh, let's see now. Uh, I've got Johnny Avello in Las Vegas from DraftKings Sportsbook, the guy who used to write the quintessential Kentucky Derby Futures when he was at the win. And he'll be on to do some handicapping, and we'll talk a little bit about eh, whatever's on my mind while I'm out of Keeneland. So that's you know wherever you find podcasts through Vsin, the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. So, but otherwise, uh, I will close with this, Bruno, just to make you feel old. <laughs> just to make you feel old. I feel already old right now. So go ahead. Okay, a few things on the 11th of the month, the 11th of the month of December, ten years ago on December 11th was the first time that HBO presented a little series called Luck 10 years ago. Does it seem like 10 years ago that Dustin Hoffman and Nick Nolte and John Ortiz were doing that show at Santa Anita? Felt like 20. (laughs) Okay. Well, then this is going to make you feel real old. On January 11th, January 11th, Johnny Carson, the late Johnny Carson, will have been off The Tonight Show as long as he was on it. Wow. Now, does that make you feel old? And there you go. That's how I'll close for you with those light little facts well, about anniversaries go, on the 11th. I'm going to go take my Geritol. Get more from Bruno by going to racingwithbruno.com. 